Chapter 1 Hearsay Evidence Bowing down in blind credulity, as is my custom, before mere authority, in the tradition of the elders, superstitiously swallowing a story I could not test. At the time, by experiment of private judgment, I am firmly of opinion that I was born in the 29th of May, 1874, on Campton Hill, Kensington, and the baptized according to the formularies of the Church of England in the little church of St. George, opposed the large waterworks tower that dominated that ridge. I do not allege any significance in the relation of the two buildings, and I diligently deny that the church was chosen because it needed the whole water power of West London to turn me into a Christian. Nevertheless, the great waterworks tower was destined to play its part in my life, as I shall narrate on a subsequent page. But that story is connected with my own experiences, whereas my birth, as I have said, is an incident which I accept. Like some poor ignorant peasant, only because it has been handed down to me by oral tradition. And before we come to any of my own experiences, it will be well to devote this brief chapter to a few of the other facts of my family and environment, which I hold equally precariously on mere hearsay evidence. Of course, what many call hearsay evidence or what I call human evidence might be questioned in theory, as in the Bikinian controversy, or a good deal of the higher criticism. The story of my birth might be untrue. I might be the long-lost heir of the Holy Roman Empire, or an infant left by ruffians from Limehouse on a doorstep in Kensington. To develop in later life a hideous criminal heredity, some of the skeptical methods applied to the world's origin might be applied to my origin, and a grave and earnest inquirer come to the conclusion that I was never born at all. But I believe that common sense is something that my belief, that my readers and I have in common, and that they will have patience with a dull summary of the facts. I was born of respectable but honest parents, that is, in a world where the word respectability was not yet exclusively a term of abuse, but retained some dim philological connection with the idea of being respected. It is true that even in my own youth, the sense of word was changing. As I remember in a conversation between my parents, in which I was used with both implications, in which it was used with both implications, my father, who was serene, humorous, and full of hobbies, remarked casually, the vestry. At this, my mother, who was more swift, restless, and generally radical in her instincts, uttered something like a cry of pain. She said, Oh, Edward, don't. You will be so respectable. We never have been respectable yet. Don't let's begin now. And I remember my father mildly replying, My dear, you present a rather alarming picture of our lives. If you say that we have never for one single instant been respectable. Readers of Pride and Prejudice will perceive that there was something of Mr. Bennet about my father, though there was certainly nothing of Mrs. Bennet about my mother. Anyhow, 
What I mean here is that my people belonged to that rather old-fashioned English middle class, in which a businessman was still permitted to mind his own business. They had been granted no glimpse of our latter and loftier vision of that more advanced and adventurous conception of commerce in which a businessman is supposed to revile, ruin, destroy, absorb, and swallow up everybody else's business. My father was a liberal of the school that existed before the rise of socialism. He took it for granted that all sane people believed in private property. But he did not trouble to translate it into private enterprise. His people were of the sort that were always sufficiently successful, but hardly in the modern sense enterprising. My father was the head of a hereditary business of house agents and surveyors, which had already been established for some three generations in Kensington. And I remember that there was a sort of local patriotism about it and a little reluctance in the elder members when the younger first proposed that it should have branches outside Kensington. Well, this particular sort of unobtrusive pride was very characteristic of this sort of older businessman. I remember that it once created a comedy of cross-purposes which could hardly have occurred unless there had been some such secret self-congratulation upon any accretion of local status. The incident is in more ways than one a glimpse of the tone and talk of those distant days. You Mom. take care of everyone else, but what about yourself and your mouth? Aspen Dental is here. My grandfather, my father's father, was a fine-looking old man with white hair and beard and manners that had something of what rounded solemnity that went with the old-fashioned customs of proposing toasts and sentiments. He kept up the ancient Christian custom of singing at the dinner table and did not, and it did not seem incongruous when he sang. The old, quote, the fine old English gentleman, unquote, was the name of the tune, as well as more pompous songs of the period of Waterloo and Trafalgar. And I may remark in passing that having lived in to see Mefeking Night and the later Jingle lyrics, I have retained a considerable respect for those old and pompous patriotic songs. I rather fancy it was better of the tradition of the English tongue to hear such rhetoric rhetorical lines as these about Wellington at the deathbed of William the Fourth. For he came on the angel of victory's wing, but the angel of death was waiting the king. Then to be entirely satisfied with howling the following lines heard in all music halls some 20 years afterwards these lines. And when we say we have always won, and when they ask how it's done, we proudly point to everyone 
of England's soldiers of the Queen. I cannot help having a dim suspicion that dignity has something to do with style. But anyhow, the gestures like the songs of my grandfather's time and type had a good deal to do with dignity. But used as he was to ceremonial manners, he must have been a good deal mystified by a strange gentleman who entered the office and having conferred with my father briefly on business, asked in a hushed voice if he might have the high privilege of being presented to the more ancient and or ancestral head of the firm. <laughs> he then approached my grandfather as if the old gentleman had been a sort of shrine with profound bows and reverential apostrophes. You are a monument, said the strange gentleman. Sir, you are a landmark. My grandfather, slightly flattered, muttered politely that they had certainly been in Kensington for some little time. You are a historical character, said the admiring stranger. You have changed the whole destiny of church and state. My grandfather still assumed errantly that this might be a poetic manner of describing a successful house agency. But a light began to break in on my father, who had thought his way through all the high church and broad church movements and was well read in such things. He suddenly remembered the case of Westerton versus Lydell, in which a Protestant church warden prosecuted a person for some of the darker crimes of papery possibly wearing a surplice. And I only hope, went on the stranger firmly, still addressing the Protestant champion, that the services of the Paris church are now conducted in a manner of which you approve. My grandfather observed a, in a gen genial manner, that he did not care how they were conducted. These remarkable words of the Protestant champion caused his worshipper to gaze upon him with a new dawn of wonder when my father intervened and explained the error, pointing out the fine shade that divides Westerton and Chesterton. I may add that my grandfather, when the story was told, always used to insist that he had added to the phrase, quote, I don't care how they're conducted, unquote. The qualifying words repeated with a grave motion of the hand. I don't care how they're conducted, provided it is with reverence and sincerity, unquote. But I grieve to say that skeptics in the younger generation believed this to have been an afterthought. The point is, however, that my grandfather was pleased and not really very much amazed to be called a monument and a landmark. And that was typical of many middle-class men, even in small businesses, in that remote world. For the particular sort of British Burgundian, Borghese, of which I am speaking, has been so much altered or diminished that it cannot exactly be said to exist today. Nothing quite like it, at least, can be found in England, 
Nothing in the least like it, I fancy, was ever found in America. One particularity of this middle class was that it really was a class, and it really was in the middle. Tell me about what has been happening nowadays. Sure. Well, did you know that they even formed a society? Ew, do tell. I'll send you a graphic. It looks much better than the black and white. The Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. Ah, Keith. It all makes sense. The Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton is a Catholic lay apostolate. Apostolate, yes. Recognized formally as a canonical private association of the Christian faithful, their mission is to evangelize through education. Ah, <gasps> just like us, then our mission it is, inspiring people to live joyful, holy lives with G. K. Chesterton as a model of lay spirituality to help carry out its mission. The society sponsors the work of the Chesterton Schools Network and adult education through its annual conferences, publications, and support of local Chesterton societies. Wow, that sounds really nice, doesn't it? Well, before you tell me more about their mission and vision, please go on more about the man. Of course, well. The last few years have seen an enthusiastic revival. Well, that's good news, isn't it? Yes, most. In the writing and thought of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. When did he? When was he around exactly? Eighteen seventy-four to nineteen thirty-six. Oh, sixty-some odd short years. Bless the man. Yes, quite. A Catholic layman, who was a celebrated writer. Oh yes, speaker and thinker, whom Pope Pius. Ooh, which one? Eleven. Anse called a gifted defender of the faith. Ooh, Michael, that. A convert to the CC Catholic Church, of course. Chesterton wrote over a hundred books during his lifetime and published over five thousand essays. Oh my! In newspapers and magazines.、Mm, I like flipping those magazines. Microfishes also. Ah,、oh, yes, microfishes. You know what? He foresaw and wrote about the issues we struggle with today. To tell, you know, social injustice, the culture of death. Oh yes, the decline of the arts, assaults on religion, ah,、oh. and attacks on the family and on the dignity of the human person. I see, I see now. Okay, continue. Well, he was a model for the new evangelization. And he is it. Justin has re-emerged as the intellectual giant. <gasps> giants? We are among giants, people. That he was in his own time, but. Has also proved to be an inspirational, a life-changing figure in our time. Oh, you don't say. B R B is that his acronym? Yes, Mr. Bishop Robert Barong has called him the model for the new evangelization, quote unquote. 
Chesterton is an articulate spokesman for the breadth and depth of Catholic thought, but people are also drawn to him for his goodness, oh goodness, and charity, charisma, that, and humility, meekness maybe, perhaps. There is an enthusiastic universal devotion to Chesterton. <laughs> I see Chester Cat representing both clergy and laity. Ah, Alice. He has played a major role in hundreds of conversions to the Catholic Church, coming home Catholic. In addition, Chesterton holds a huge ecumenical appeal as Catholics, Protestants, and even, to tell, non-Christians. Find great inspiration in his writings. Very nice. What kind of work does he do, though? Well. The work of a new apostolate. The Catholic Church is presently investigating the possibility of opening the cause for Chesterton's canonization. You don't say. I do. Canonization? Inspired by who? The church's interest in Chesterton's holiness. Oh, that is good. A new worldwide apostolate, with a capital A, has been formed. Ah, what's it called? The Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton, GKC. The apostolate works not only to promote his canonization, but to promote Chesterton's thought and writing as a model for who? Of lay spirituality. Well, that's just right up our alley, isn't it? Cobblestones and all, with pomegranate bells on. Among the thousands of ideas in his writings, mm-hmm. Three. Yes, keep it simple and sweet for me, darling. Very important ideas of thought stand out as being particularly pertinent in our present age. Do tell Catholic education. Mm. Life schooling. Evangelization. Mm. Angels. And Catholic social teaching. Oh, yes, we got to have a little bit of social in there, don't we, darling? The Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton promotes these endeavors through its sponsored organizations. Do you have an address? Hold your horses, darling. First, education. E. <laughs> Uh, then, evangelization. Ooh, double E. E E. <laughs> and then, Catholic social teaching. Got it. You have a system, don't you? I do. A method to my madness, you might say. Ad living, of course. Well, just in case we get cut off, where might I find this article? At Chesterton. Dot org, of course. Okay, do tell again. Continue. Okay. First E, education. To quote Chesterton himself, the one thing that is never thought taught by any chance in the atmosphere of public schools is this. Uh-huh. Takeaway, key takeaways, yes. That there is a whole truth with a W H O L E truth of things, cosas. And that in knowing it and speaking it, 
We are happy. Ah, I couldn't have said it better for yourself, myself. It's exactly what I'm feeling right now. I love sharing on my podcast. As a recognized defender of the faith, a literary genius, and a stellar example of Christian charity. This is how I pray for you guys. G.K. Chesterton is a perfect model on which to develop an integrated education. Yes, I bridge heaven and earth. Things which you can see and cannot, the past, the present, and the future. Chesterton Academy is classical curriculum and focus on spiritual and character development are inspired by G.K. Chesterton as a complete thinker. Everyone recognizes the crises of education in America today and all around the world, might I say. The Chesterton Schools Network has proven to be transformational. Rosie is strong in bringing spiritual and intellectual health back to the classroom. while keeping, helping make Catholic education affordable for all families. Yes, nothing better than free on Spotify. I don't make a penny. So I'm thinking of creating some things for the more premium section. I don't know, I'm considering it. Not really, maybe, I don't know. Encore, yeah, that's an E word. Got another one, evangelization. Oh, yeah. That's why I like to have three answers. Three E's. What's up? At least. The Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. That reminds me of the scripture verse, doesn't it? G.K. Chesterton. I'm thinking of moving to Louisiana. Maybe Florida. Anywhere there's not a hurricane affected. Like Orlando, which is only five miles from Port Canaveral. What is it? Cruise City. Do it. Oh, yeah. What's up? Jack the Knife. Through its magazine, books, local societies, and national conferences, the Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton permits the writings and thought of G.K. Chesterton introducing and reintroducing Chesterton to a new generation so desperately in need of his joy and clarity of thought. Chesterton says the reason people will not believe is because they will not broaden their minds. He brings people to the faith because he teaches them how to think. Oh, that is a model, a divine life school. I don't teach you what to think. I teach you how to think. Chesterton continues to bring converts into the church. We will be back, people. Bye-bye. Square bread. Either one. Bagel. Bagel's good. Like I was, that's why I was like, I don't mind paragliding. 
This is kind of like paragliding. I'm like, that's so cool. I love paragliding. I would do paragliding in a heartbeat. That's so much like cooler. I, I feel so, right like you paragliding over parachuting first of all. And I'd rather fall into the water, really. <laughs> and I want to try. I want to okay. try. I want to try the uh, the flying, the flying thing. Huh? I want to try the flying thing. Oh the yeah, that machine. the flying machine, man. That the thing that makes you look like Iron Man. Yeah. Oh man, I would love to try. Yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. Skydiving indoor machine. That's yes. so cool. Yes. I really want so to do that. We don't need to go. I'm just saying, there's so many things. Oh. At the zone. And those trampoline gyms. Oh man, I'd be there every day. Roller skating. Ice skating. I want to take my kid to roller roller coaster and all that. Roller coaster. Water park. I'm going to the water park. I'm going to Dells. I'm so going to Dells. I wanna I wanna take the kid to movie theaters before there's no more. <laughs> I don't even think there is anymore. Oh, there is. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, I like IMAX. If they made any good movies. I can't wait till Avatar comes back. I want to take, I want to take, okay, to the zoo again. Oh yeah, forgot about all the trips to the zoo. That was hot. We even like got it down to when we knew the feedings were gonna happen. <laughs> That's hot. Did we take them to the mountains that much? Did we go camping with them? Yet? No, right? No. What do you mean? With the kids? Yeah. Just no. the RV. Yeah, we always, yeah, not camping yet. Because it's scary camping, man. They gotta be, like, knowledgeable. <laughs> no. I don't know, man. I don't know what you mean, knowledgeable. I live in Indonesia. I mean, what's there to do? You eat, you have shelter, and that's it? Go from there. And well, you know what if they run fight, off and get it? bitten by stuff? Do bug spray. I can't be doing fire. <laughs> so nothing to be scared of, right? You're saying? No. We can go camping. Would you go hiking though? Well, I wouldn't say go I don't camping. Know if I can do hiking. They, they, they all can crazy. People get crazy. <laughs> People are crazy. It's not just animals, you. <laughs> Bear, run! Don't run! Run! Don't run! I don't know. No, it's called talking to the bear while y'all run, and I stay there. And I distract him the other way, and I talk to the bear, and the bear's confused. You have to talk to a bear in a way that he they they confuse. They kind of distract it while y'all running away. Probably find a tree and run up a tree. Bear <laughs> cords. Yeah, I don't know about bears. Like, I, mean, they, I want to be like Batman. They, you know, they just want food. So if they don't want to chase you, just throw food at them and then run away. Hey, what do you think about te zipline technology? I see it like maybe slowly being adopted in places. Again, who control the law. You see that? Oh, yeah. You can do all this shit, and they just, all they have to do is just take it all down. You see this? When they made the oil negative $40, something made me, I didn't understand how can that be negative? Like, I, how does that work? So if they can make oil negative, they can make gold negative, they can make silver negative, they can make well, it's at zero they, right now, they, so I don't understand people. Exactly. They can the make gold anything. ratio and silver ratio and copper ratio, everything. Oil ratio is at zero with a red asterisk. What the freak does that mean? It means the relationship's broken. Do you understand? Meaning... Where do we go from all, here? 
uh, you do what the power that be is doing. What I said, the power that be got up from the chest table and he just Jing. And, and every time he move over there, I'm seeing like yes. What are you doing? Oh, you just collecting that? Why don't I want to collect that? I don't have to play the game. The heck? See what I'm saying? He takes the dollar, he plays chess, and he leaves the table, and he keeps getting yellow. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's going on? Ay, ay, yalla. So then you go, oh, he go there, he, and he order what? And he buy that? So then you go, oh, I want to buy it. And the guy said, uh, you got to pay premium. I said, okay. <laughs> Sit back and watch the show. I am. It's gonna all crash and burn. Crash and burn. Should I read Paper Gold? Yeah, alright, I'm in the mood now. Jekko. 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 See the light. Ooh. Oh, check the clock. What time is it? What? No, no, not that clock. This clock. <laughs> Did you guys know there's a dead clock for every state called a state debt clocks? World debt clocks. I didn't click on that one yet. Hold on. <laughs> Who's number one? USA. Who's number two? China, Japan, Germany, UK, India, France, Italy, Brazil. Canada, Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Greece, Indonesia, Ireland, Korea, Mexico, Netherlands, Nigeria, Norway, Poland, and Portugal. In that order. What am I reading? National Debt. Who has the highest? Oh my goodness. By a whopping difference of 32, comma, 830, comma, 599 comma 600 and counting 700 and counting comma how many commas is that four what is that i don't know 900,000 becomes 600 million we just hit we just passed 600 million of 830 billion 32 trillion <laughs> what is that That's a 92.16% public debt to GDP ratio. Uh, uh, uh. Externally, 89.57% external debt to GDP ratio. Oh, that's a, that's a 92% debt. That means out of every dollar that I have, 92.92 cents.16 belongs not to me that leaves only 7.04 percent four cents seven cents out of every dollar is mine is that what you're saying what are you beverly hill yeah because over here is two nine nine point five six percent was that japan well that don't make no sense does it It makes a whole lot of 299.56% sense to them, apparently. Obviously. Isn't that interesting? Who has 172.53%? Italy. Interesting. Anything to do with population? Maybe. Who has the most population? Well, oh my. China and India are neck to neck. We got a one, uh-huh, comma. We got a one, comma, uh-huh. Four, uh-huh, I got a four, uh-huh. I got a seven. 
I got a one. I got a one. I got a zero. I beat you. I beat you. What's 71 minus 10? 61. I beat you by 61 million more people. Oh. C-H-I-N-A with a national debt of 14 trillion, 451 billion, 237 million, 700 and counting thousand dollars of debt compared to India's 3 trillion to 86. Well, why so little when you have the same amount almost of population? Hmm, isn't that interesting? Very. Or am I reading the wrong column? <laughs> Maybe. I'm dyslexic like that, you know. All right, well, hold on. <laughs> nope, I was right. Nope, was I right? I don't know. 14 trillion compared to 3 trillion with almost the same population. Yep. What about your GDP gross domestic product there in green? Let's see. 17. Well, China produces. Seven is. China's green number is 17 trillion compared to India's 3 trillion. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You owe a lot because you've done a lot. You're producing a lot. Them, 3 to 3, you, 14 to 17. So you produce 3 trillion more than you owe versus, uh, you know, like uh, Italy that only, you know, has a gross domestic production of only 2 million but owes 3 million. Oh, sorry. Produces two trillion, but produce uh, but owes three point five trillion. So you owe one point five trillion more than you produce. Is that what you're saying, Italy? I don't know. With sixty one million population and a public debt to GDP ratio is one seventy two percent and an external debt to GDP ratio of one forty three. Then the numbers just keep rolling, people. Just keep rolling. Don't even bother reading the, you know, the six numbers. It's just, all six numbers are constantly going. Energy output. Anybody want to know? Sure. But I really want to press on the gold backslash precious metals <gasps> emoji. Do it. Do it now. Okay. Wait. <laughs> okay. Here we are, U.S. debt clock. I pressed on the gold button and it's loading. It's gonna tell me about gold holding by country in ounces and world precious metals production 2020 YTD. Has production changed since 2000, you ask? I even have a mortgage to loan calculator if you need it. But we're not all about that, are we? What is this number I keep keep scrolling across my screen? U.S. monetary base now. Ooh. U.S. M2 money supply now. Hmm. Currency and credit derivatives now. Hmm. Cheers. Hmm. Compared to 2000. Uh huh. Tell me about it. Well, the US monetary base now is 4 trillion. Are you sure? I'm not sure. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, that's trillion. 4.7 trillion now is the US monetary base compared to only 600 billion. Yes, three commas in 2000. So, wow, we've gone up 4.1 trillion in our U.S. monetary base in a short 23 years. M2, 21 trillion compared to four, four trillion in the last 23 years. Okay, it's gone up a lot. What about your credit and your currency derivatives? 
that has gone up a lot more. Wow. $658 trillion, trillion of currency and credit derivatives. What? Compared to only 90, 92 trillion in year 2000. So, oh, I can't even get that number in my head. The money supply has only increased by a mere, what's 21 minus four? Help me, 17 trillion. Your money supply only grew by 17 trillion in M2 and 4.4 trillion and 4 trillion. Okay, your monetary base grew by 4 trillion, but your currency and debt derivatives grew by 600 trillion. What the f- Six hundred trillion compared to four. Tr- Six hundred compared to four trillion. Okay, so you have four cows, and you have six hundred tickets for four cows. Six hundred. Okay. 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 Let's look at the uh, gold holding by country in ounces, shall we? Sure, let's go. Biggest number, two, eight, six, comma, nine, two, four, comma, eight, five, two. That's two commas, thousand, million. 286,924,852. Is that consistent enough for you? Was that even me? I have no clue. But that's a lot more than the next runner-up, Germany, with 118 million gold holding in ounces. <gasps> so U.S. has 286 million versus Germany with 118 million ounces. Got it. What about IMF? <gasps> They're number three with only 99 million. What about Italy? That's next with 86 million. Runner up, 85 million. France, Russia, 81 million. China, 68 million. Switzerland, 36 million. That's a whole half less. Japan, 29 million. India, 26 million. Netherlands, 21 million. Euro, 17 again million. Interesting. Yes. You like that list? U.S. is way ahead. Not bad. How about yield? Who's yielding the most? World Precious Metals Production 2020 Yield to Date. First runner-up. Okay, how many metals are there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 metals. Name your favorite number one. Guess. Who's on top? You'll never guess. Oh, wow. Production. 2020 yield to date of world precious metals. The highest production is coming with 2 trillion, was an ounce? 377,313,000. You'll never guess the L word. Lithium. Is that what was running in your head? What? Oh, batteries. Got it. That's a, a whopping 450, a 1,000%. No, 450% production change since tw- uh, year 2000. In the last 23 years, it's gone up 450%. Gee, I wonder why. Well, how much do we have in reserve? 
773,681,481,400 and counting uh, down. What? <laughs> we just lost a thousand and losing. Oh, and losing. 680,000 is now beginning. 679,000. Okay, well, there you are, people. <laughs> How about second runner-up? Um, iron. Pump some. Yeah. Iron. We need it in our steaks. We need it in our spinach. And we need 1 trillion, 752 million, 293,600 and counting up very quickly. Nine, four thousand now. Four thousand, two, four thousand, three, seven, 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 three, two, one. Hold it. Five thousand <laughs> of iron is being produced very rapidly. It's only grown a hundred and forty-three percent in the last twenty-three years, and precious reserves are falling. <gasps> We're making more, but it's falling. Yes, we only have 178 uh, trillion, 178 trillion in reserves, and it's falling fast from 178 trillion to 47,700. Now 700 because we're losing a thousand by every second. What? Yeah. We're, we're eating up our reserves. Yeah. Of iron, too. All right. What's third on the cabinet list here? Hold on. Well, number three comes in a whopping big difference. It's not even trillion anymore. We only have 570 million of silver. It's, we're eating into our silver. Seven, we only have 570 million, 600, no, 560,400 and increasing ounces, now 500 ounces, now 600 ounces of silver. 570 million and growing ounces of silver. We're up 35. 0.86% in the last 23 years. Very small, but still inching up. Oh yeah, but what about our reserves? They are also depleting. Gotcha. Quick enough? Yeah. How many do we have in reserve? 18,124,658,000 and decreasing. 500 and 400. And soon 300. All right, gotta go, bye.